People today are so far away from understanding what it means to be a Christian. They cannot get out of their mind that if I just believe certain things and think certain ways and go to certain meetings and identify myself with certain groups, then I'm a Christian. And yet the Sagemont Church has 214 people right now that have come this year and gave their heart to Jesus, they say, but they've never been baptized. They've never, ever gone public. They say that they're saved, and I'm not, going, I'm not the, the Savior. But I question why. Do you remember at the wedding, if you've ever been married, that comes to that last part, you say the vows, and then you exchange the rings. I don't know about other pastors, but I've counseled a couple of them where old Bubba, Bubba Groom, said that he thought that he was not going to wear a ring because it's just not macho. And his bride-to-be straightened him out real quick <laughs> and said, if you're going to marry me, you're going to go public with it. Amen. You're going to let the world know. And the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Amen. And yet we get in our mind that baptism is some kind of a Baptist ritual where you just do what Baptists want you to do. And so I don't think I want that. And I don't want anybody to see my hair wet and on and on and on. <laughs> now I want you to listen to me this morning because we're going into the word of God in simple, simple, simple teachings that are profound and they are consistent throughout the entire Bible. So listen carefully. Matthew chapter three, verse 13 then came Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of you, and come you to me. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Suffer it be so now, for thus it becomes us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him, and Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water and lo, the heavens were open unto him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You remember that scripture? Amen. Who was the candidate? Jesus. If Jesus felt a need to be baptized, you think you should be? If you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to skip that one. Uh, listen to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. I want to carry you over to uh, some later years when the Apostle Paul was in prison. And uh, remember, he started praying and there was an old tough jailkeeper, a guard tough man. Let me take up the story. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. They sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. Now, Paul and Silas are in, in jail for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 26, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison were shaken. Immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, the guard, awaking out of his sleep, Seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had fled. But Paul, the prisoner, 
cried with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm for we're all here. And then he called for a light and he sprang in and he came trembling and he fell down before Paul and Silas. The guard falls down before the humble Christians and brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and your entire house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in the house. And he took them the same hour of the night, washed their stripes and was baptized. He and all of his family straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them. He rejoiced believing in God with all of his house. That's one of the most beautiful stories in the Bible. That's one of the clearest presentations to the person that had not heard much gospel of how easy it is to go from a vile, ruthless life until a born-again, brand-new, blood-bought, white-as-snow Christian. It is so clear. And yet we have allowed our pride and our intelligence and our differences of opinion to get us out of the Bible and want to fight the war on the world's field and the God of heaven's heart is broken because his children call him Lord, Lord, but do not the things that he commands. Baptism means one thing. Any scholar of the language will tell you. Baptism is the dipping or immersion of a believer in water. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, who has, and this one that's dipped, has previously professed his faith in Jesus Christ. He has found somewhere where he said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, and save me. But this is not gonna be just between me and you. I want you to save me cleanse me, equip me with your Holy Spirit and use me to share what I have experienced with the entire world so that my friends, my family, as with this jailer, can know you as Lord and Savior and then not to be ashamed of the gospel. Number one, when we talk about baptism, what method should be used? The Greek word baptizo, and I'm not going to bore you with this, but the Greek word baptizo means one thing. The Greek language is very specific. They have many words for love. Phileo love, you know, for Philadelphia, agape love, eros. I mean, they're different words. But for baptism, baptizo means one thing. It means to immerse or dip Sprinkling is not baptism. Pouring is not baptism. Only immersion is baptism according to the scripture. You say, but my church, forget about what your church says. And forget about what the Baptists say. What did Jesus say? He's the one you give an account to, not the priest, not the rabbi, not the pastor, not the evangelist, to Jesus. Jesus says, we are to be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Matthew 3, 16. And Jesus, 
when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. Try that in a picture. <laughs> Try that with someone sprinkling over your head and make that scripture. Jesus, when he was baptized, came up straightway out of the water. Mark 1, 5. All were baptized by John the Baptist in the river of Jordan, not at the altar or in the kitchen. John 3, 23. And John also was baptizing, was baptizing in Anon. Why? Because there, were, there was much water there. Look at the scripture. It didn't take much water to sprinkle. It doesn't take much water for a pitcher. It takes much water to be baptized by immersion. Acts 8, 38. They went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. They went down into the water. Romans 6, 4. We're buried with Christ in baptism unto death, and we're raised to walk in new life. Colossians 2, 12. We're buried with him in baptism. There are others. I'll stop there. What is the method? You believe the Bible? There's no argument. If you want to believe church doctrine, you can fuss all day. Choose this day who you're going to serve. Number two, who ought to be baptized? Who should be baptized? Mark 16, 16. He that believeth and is then baptized will be saved. Acts 2.38, repent and then be baptized. Every one of you, every one of you. Acts 2.41, then they that gladly received his word were baptized, both men and women. Notice no infants. I'm talking to hundreds of people right now, maybe thousands. You said I was baptized when I was a baby. No, you were not. I choose to differ with you, pastor. That's good. You don't have any problem. You're smarter than me. That's the reason I got to depend on Jesus to be my instructor. He makes it very, very clear. There is no such thing as infant immersion. That is a dedication. There's nothing wrong with doing that if you understand what it means. There's nothing to do with salvation. It has to do with a dedication of that child to God. We dedicate our children here about four times a year, our babies. What are we saying? God, this is your child. You gave this child. We give it back to you. We promise to surround that child with the love of God, the teaching of the scripture. And when that child knows that there is a God and knows the difference between right and wrong, we pray on the first day that comes that they'll give their heart to you. That's the heart of a family that understands the scripture that brings their child to a baby dedication. Not to make sure that baby goes to heaven one day. No. That child is protected by the blood of Jesus until it understands what it means to be a sinner. Amen. That's what the scripture teaches. Acts 8, 12. When they believed, they were baptized. When they what? When they were believed, not when they were born. When they believed, they were baptized. Okay? But they didn't hesitate. Acts 8, 13. Simon believed. Then he was baptized. Acts 8, 36. What does hinder me from being baptized? That was his question. If you believe, you may, is the answer. 
And there it is in Acts 8, 36 and 37. First you believe. Then you're baptized. Now, did I get this right, preacher? When I get to where I believe in God, I'm to be baptized. No, no. When you believe in God, when you believe the word became flesh in Jesus, and when you believe you are a sinner, you have willfully sinned against God. Now you're ready. You are ready to have that tremendous blessing put upon you. When the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, the only place in the Bible where all three showed up at the same place at the same time was when Jesus was baptized. Jesus walked into the water. The Holy Spirit came and descended as the dove and the voice came out of heaven from the Father. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And for a person to say, I'm giving my heart to Jesus, but I'm not going to be baptized because in the church that I grew up in, they didn't baptize like that. You better get out of that kind of thinking, folks. God's not going to bring the codes and the doctrines of the different denominations together. He's going to look to the Son. Jesus will determine the saved from the lost and only Jesus. If you believe that you can die and after you die, your church can get you into heaven, may God have mercy on your soul. That is nowhere in the scripture. Absolutely nowhere. It doesn't even hint of that kind of stuff. And to believe in a purgatory thing is something that ought to shake you big if that's all you know. I'm just going to wait and leave enough money to get mine after I'm gone. But while I'm alive, I'm just going to party, 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 party. May God have mercy on you. Acts 18, 8. Many of the Corinthians... And they were a tough bunch, if you'll remember. Hearing, believed, and they were baptized. Acts 19, 4. Paul's saying unto the people that they should believe on Jesus. And listen to what they said. When they heard this, they were baptized. Let me tell you how you know you believe in Jesus. Not that he's a historical figure. You believe he was the son of God. When you know he's the son of God, you know that he's God in the flesh. Knowing that he's God in the flesh, if he says do it, you say, Where? When? How soon? Yes, sir. You bet. No, I I don't have any questions. God said it. That settles it. Our church members at Sage Mount heard me say this many times. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. You can cut that sermon to two points. You can skip that middle part. God said it. I believe it. God doesn't care whether you believe it or not. If God says it, it's settled. If God says you repent or perish, you just trust him. If he says, repent, be baptized, every one of you, that's exactly what he means. You don't have a peculiar situation. And we all have that in some categories, don't we? Well, you got to understand the way I was raised. That was in the past. The Bible says, forget those things in the past. Look to those things in the future and then get on board. Get on board. Some of you lived in different states until you came to Texas. And then you said, what have I been missing? I'm coming across the Mississippi River. I'm coming to Texas. If I'd only known when I was just out of college, I'd have been here. Of course, they're doing the same thing on the other side of the river, but that's another sermon. (laughs) Number three, what's the purpose of baptism? Let me start off by telling you it's to be obedient to the scripture. That's not everything. I got more. That's where it starts. 
God says it again, that settles it. It's being obedient. You see, if you can't be obedient to baptism, you're going to have the trouble with a whole lot of other things that you're going to discuss later about your life. You're going to start dealing with alcohol, drugs, premarital sex, divorce, marriage outside of, of uh, I mean, uh, relations outside of marriage. I mean, you're going to have a whole lot of problems if you don't just take God at his word. If you take God at his word, you can know what to do and go on with your life. And if God says do it, that means, hey, this is the way, walk in it and enjoy life. And I'll see you one day. That's what it means. But when you start off and you cannot understand, except you repent, you'll not be saved. You can't be saved by simply coming to know, I got to pray the prayer. You've got to repent. You've got to turn. Then when you turn, you're not ashamed of it. And the Lord says, now that you're walking with me, I want you to put on the uniform, so to speak. I want you to be baptized. And he wants you to be baptized with scriptural baptism. Acts 2, 38 says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Matthew 28, 19. Go you therefore, teach all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Luke 3, 12. Master, what shall we do? When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying that the heavens was opened up. Acts 10, 48. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. So why should you be baptized? To be obedient to the scripture. Number two, why should you be baptized? To follow the example of Jesus. Follow his example. He never tells you to do something that he didn't do. Nothing. He's simply saying, I've done it. I'm the way. You follow me. That means go where I go and do what I do. Pretty simple to me. Matthew 3, 13. Then came Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized unto him, to be baptized of him. So what do you do? You follow his example. He went to John and said, you baptize me. John didn't want to baptize him. He said, you do what I'm telling you to do. And that's exactly what John did. Let me tell you a third reason. This is the biggest hiccup. I'm convinced of all that there is. You get baptized to proclaim unshamedly that you're identifying with Jesus. I'm telling you, a lot of church-going people that want to go to heaven want to be secret service agents. They want to be spies. And you know what? They get real spiritual about this. I, I just don't ever talk about my religion. We're not talking about religion. We're talking about the commands of Jesus here. No, no. If, if you love Jesus, you're not ashamed of Jesus. If you won't talk about your wife good things, and you're married, don't say you love her, but you don't ever bring her up in a conversation or your husband or whatever, or your children. You see, well, Romans 1, 16, Paul said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, it's the power of God and the salvation. Listen, Romans 10, 11, whosoever believes on him shall not be ashamed Acts 2.41, they that gladly received his word were baptized. Galatians 3.27, as many of you as have been baptized under Christ have put on Christ. You see, when you are baptized, now you've got a responsibility to live for Jesus. 
So you make the decision and blow it away. I'm not going to be baptized because I put too much pressure on me to stop my cussing, stop my drinking, stop my running around, stop my pornography, going with the list. I just don't want my buddies to think I'm not a real man anymore. Well, you'll never find a greater man than Jesus. You'll never find a man's man that was more strong, powerful, manly than Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Number four, and this is where we started a while ago. You get baptized to clearly portray to others what Jesus has done in your life. Once I was lost, I am buried with Christ now in baptism unto death. That old life no longer exists. I've been born again. I'm a child of God. I'm buried with Christ in baptism unto death, and I'm raised to walk in a brand new life. You are identifying that, to others that Jesus lives in your life. Romans 6, 4. Therefore, we're buried with Christ in baptism unto death. Like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life. Yes, your friends have a right to expect you to walk out of that baptistry headed in a different direction than when you walked in it. If you can't handle that pressure, you've never been saved. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Because if God were in you, you would know I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. I'm weak, but he is strong. And I will move with him under the power of his might. Colossians 2.12, we're buried with him in baptism, wherein also you're risen with him through the faith of the operation of God that has raised Jesus from the dead. How in the world am I going to live that life? I don't think I can do it. You can't do it. So Paul said, for me to live is Christ. What do you mean by that? He didn't say he was Jesus. He was saying, for me to live is for Christ to live through me. And when you recognize there's some battles you can't fight alone, you let Jesus fight them for you. Oh, well, he's too busy. I'm just... You know, y'all super spiritual. I, I've been around these people all my life, folks. I mean, they just make you want to throw up at times, just to be honest with you. You know, oh, I just want to take all this time. You know, I just, you know, he's got, people got a whole lot worse problems than I do. No, they don't. If you're lost and they're lost, you both got the same problem. And all the other things are just symptoms of the problem. What they got different symptoms, not a different problem. But when you come to that moment in your life, when you say, that's gone. That's gone. That's gone. Our church is filled with, you name the sin, and Sage My Church has a baptized, born-again member of the church in good standing and serving that came out of whatever you want to talk about. Yes, sir. We do. Amen? And amen. Why? Why? The blood, the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood. And by the way, if you're a recent one coming home, welcome home. Welcome home. Don't go around with your head down. Go around with your eyes up, your hands up, praising God from whom all blessings flow. That's what it's about. Galatians 2.20. 
says it so clearly. And by the way, if you're a new believer, remember that, 220. 220, this is your spiritual electric chair, okay? You go sit down, plug in Galatians 220. Got that? I am crucified with Christ. Then what does it say? Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by what? The power of the Son of God. What's happened? You've decreased, he's increased. You used to be running your life, now he's running your life. You hadn't got to be Superman. You don't, don't join the Spiritual Olympics team next year. You're not ready. What you do is you take your life and exchange it for his life. And he, again, buries your sins and remembers more, no more. Now, what's the result? Power is going to come because you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You're going to be able to say no where you could never say no before. You're going to be able to go there where you never went before and not go back there anymore because you have the power to say, no, I can't go. Well, hey, it's Friday night. Why don't we go out? Thank you. Those days are past. I can't go there anymore because Jesus has changed my life. I found a new way. I found a new way. Acts 1.8 says it most clearly. When you get filled with the Holy Spirit, here's what it says. You will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Not before, but after. You receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit doesn't come until you invite the Holy Spirit to come. But when you invite the Holy Spirit to come, he comes. Now you're spiritually strong. Because what you do is you may go like this, and then when the devil comes, you point like that at Jesus and say, Jesus, get him. I'm not quite there yet, Jesus. You know, I'm going to wait outside. Take this one on, would you? You remember the story about the jailer? Restitution's going to come when you get saved. It says, you know, it says he washed their stripes. Who put them there? He did. The same guy that lashed out when he got saved, took them to the house and washed the stripes that he had put there. Let me tell you what happens when people get saved in bad groups. It's not long before different ones of the group begin to get saved or different members of the family get saved because they see the change in the one that got saved and said, I'd like some of that. Can you share it with me? No, but Jesus got plenty of it. I can't share any of mine because I don't have any to give away. All I have is Jesus and I don't have to share his blood. His blood is sufficient for you too. You got to get to Jesus. You got to get to Jesus. Acts 16, 33. Listen, this is how long it took him. After going through counseling for 10 years, for after growing up, coming to Sunday school at Sagemont or I Connect. And, no, it says the same hour he washed their stripes. Amen. Ooh, that's pretty instant, isn't it? Salvation comes like that. Power against sin comes like that. Let me tell you something else. When Jesus comes into your life, service is going to come. You're going to start serving the Lord. He set meat before them. The same guy. He watches their stripes. And then he brings the meal to the table. He becomes a servant. Go out in the foyer today. We're going to have our VIP luncheon today. By the way, if you're a guest today, stay for lunch with us. If you're a new member, stay for lunch. If you haven't been to our VIP lunch, stay for lunch. At that lunch, I'll tell you, you're going to be miserable around here if you don't find a place to serve. And we got a, hundreds of places where you can serve. Some of them take you five minutes. Some of you take you all week, I guess. Go out there in the foyer. It takes 50 people to operate 
the media in this building right now, 50, 50 people. We could use 50 more so they could get a break every once in a while. Come out and sit down and go live, so to speak. Go out there and find out. But let me tell you something. We're not saved to sit on the premises. We're saved to stand on the promises. And we're saved to get out and be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. I talked to a precious lady last night. I'm not going into any details. I don't want you to know who it is. But there's a, there's a, a coming death in the family. It looked like soon. But for two years, hadn't been able to come to church. She said, you know, I can't wait to get back to all that love. He's been doing what she's to do. Been taking care of the one she loves very much. But she says, we've already talked about it, which everyone goes first, that I'm rushing back to my extended family, my church. That's what Christianity is, folks. It's where you come and see people. You say, nobody's ever been where I've been. Oh, yes, they have. And God will put you with one of them that's just a little bit farther ahead of you and say, yeah, I got, I got, I got free of that. I got saved. I got free of that. But you're going to find a place to serve. And then you remember in the 34th verse of the 16th chapter, it says he rejoiced believing in God with all of his house. Joy comes. I never met a person who says, you know, since my husband got saved, he's just become a terror. <laughs> since my teenager came back home again, asked us to forgive them and live for God and get rid of their drugging and drinking and running around, I tell you what, I don't know. I just don't know if we're going to be able to put up with it. Now that he's out of jail, now I don't have to go and check him out every Saturday night because he's doing something. Now he's home. He's saved. He's happy. He's treating us like human beings. We're loving on each other. I just don't know what I'm going to do. I got to go to a doctor. It's just depressing me. I've yet to see the first one. I don't think I ever will. Because when you get saved, you get free. And for those of you that think you're making your own decision and you're following this world, you are so wrong. You're not being cool. You're being stupid. You're not being relevant to the culture. You are being destroyed, just like this Bible says you would be if you reject God. My last point is, when you get saved, others are going to come to Jesus if you ever get saved. Maybe your family, maybe your friends, maybe your neighbor, but you're going to bring people to Christ. Nobody ever got saved and didn't have an opportunity to be living proof of a loving God. Right. Acts 2.41, then they gladly received his word, were baptized, and the same day were added unto them three thousand souls. Where'd they come from? You send out a few dozen and for long you're getting a few thousand. Because when you send one out, many will come. Like little Andrew in the Bible, wherever he went, people began to come to Jesus. So let me close with this scripture, Hebrews 12, 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that's set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. You been watching the Olympics any this week? Girl from Houston doing pretty good. 
You're going to have more gold in the bank if you don't come home quick. But listen, we're down on the playing field of this world. And the witnesses are watching. They're watching. The Bible says, lay aside the weight that's besetting you. Run with patience the, the race that God will then set before you. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of the faith. When you start doing that, you start impacting your world and your generation. When you quit following the crowd and start following Jesus, when you quit following the dogmas of the church and start following the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're going to be free. And the race will be set before you. And if you're looking to Jesus, you're headed in the right direction. 